السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson of Quranic progression inshallah ta'ala today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Inshiqaq and last week we covered um, I think verses 10, 11 and 12 from Surah Al-Inshiqaq and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after speaking about and mentioning how people are uh, toiling laboriously towards uh, the meeting with Allah Azza wa Jalla and we said that some of the scholars said it means to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَمُلَاقِيهِ and others said that it means to meet the the reward of your deeds or the, the recompense that you will have for the actions that you performed you will meet your record of deeds or you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we said that the uh, the meaning is close, it is similar Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning this he then spoke about the two groups of people that will meet Allah Azza wa Jalla the two groups of people that will come and Yom Al-Qiyamah. And as we've mentioned before, Allah Azza wa throughout the Quran mentions this grouping that there are only two groups of people on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Fariqun fil Jannah wa Fariqun fil Sa'ir. A group or a party in paradise and a party in the fire. There are only two groups. So Allah Azza wa describes them in this surah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them in terms of them receiving their record of deeds and the way that they will respond to the way that they receive their record of deeds. Allah Azza wa speaks about the people of Jannah, first the people of the right hand, those who will receive their record of deeds in their right hand and how they will be rejoicing, how they will call out, how they will be in a state of joy, how they will be reunited with their household and with their family in the highest levels of Jannah. And then Allah Azza wa in the verses that we mentioned last week, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala speaks about the second group and those are the people that will receive their record in their left hand. Those people that will receive their record in their left hand, they will receive their record behind their back, as Allah Azza wa mentions in this particular surah. And we mentioned that the scholars of tafsir discussed how to reconcile between those two particular points that they receive their record behind their back and also in their left hand. And that is that they will be made to receive their record behind their back in their left hand. And some of the scholars, as we as we mentioned yesterday, some of the, the narrations that we have in tafsir even speak about how uh, their arms will be taken off from its joint and then placed through them to their back so that they can receive their record of deeds. But either way, they receive their record of deeds uh, at the back and, and in their left hand. And we mentioned yesterday the difference in terms of even the, the meaning of that, the symbolism between receiving something in front of you in your right hand and receiving something else behind your back in your left hand and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that as they do that the way that they will then react to that is that they will call upon themselves for destruction for death they will call upon themselves calamity for so for and thubura as we said means that they will call upon themselves for destruction for calamity for punishment for death for an ending and this is mentioned in, in a number of verses in the Quran and we also know it to be mentioned in a number of the hadith in the sunnah how the people of the fire will wish and hope and ask that they are destroyed or that death will come to them or that there will be an end to their punishment but their torment will not end 
And so therefore Allah Azzawajal says that they will be made to taste the blazing fire. And we mentioned in verse number 12, the two qiraat that we have, وَيَصْلَى سَعِيرًا and وَيُصَلَّى سَعِيرًا And we mentioned that the difference between the two is that the second of those two, the one that I read, uh, the second one that I recited, is a, 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 a more emphatic way of saying the same thing. And some of the scholars made the distinction that the first one, وَيَصْلَى is the first touching of the fire and وَيُصَلَّى is the continuous punishment that they will, will then come thereafter. And as we said before, when we have different qira'at in the Qur'an, it is like having the two different verses or two different tafsirs of that verse. And so Allah gives us both of these things, that they will be made to taste their punishment the first time, and that in itself will be too much, as we mentioned in that narration yesterday about how shaitan will be the first one, Iblis will be the first one to taste that punishment of the fire by being clothed from the, with the clothing of, of Jahannam, of the fire, and then how that punishment will continue upon them subsequently after that first punishment, that it will remain upon them and that it will continue. So that's where we reached up to last week, and inshallah ta'ala in today's uh, class we're going to continue therefore from verse number 13, which is still speaking about the people of the left, the people who receive their record of deeds in their left hand behind their back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 13, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إنه كان في أهله مسرورا In the translation of Sahih International, indeed, he had once been amongst his people in happiness. Mufti Taqi, he had been joyful amongst his people, meaning in the world. Abdul Harim, he used to live amongst his people while pleased. And Muhsin Khan, verily he was among his people in joy. And you can see here the difference of the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a, a, uh, a link or a correlation between these two groups of people. So when Allah Azza wa spoke about the people of the right hand, and Allah Azza wa said that they will, receive their, 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 they will receive their record of deeds for the people of Jannah, that they will receive their record of deeds in their right hand, Allah Azza wa then mentioned that they will have an easy reckoning. Whereas for the people of the left hand, what will they do? They will call upon themselves with calamity and destruction. And then Allah Azza wa mentioned how for the people of the right hand, what will they do? They will then go to their family now finding rejoice and finding happiness. Whereas when it comes to the people of the left now, Allah Azza wa is saying, These people used to be, meaning in the dunya, they used to be people who lived with joy and happiness. And so Allah Azza makes this distinction between the two. And that's why I want to begin uh, by mentioning the statement of Ibn Zayd, the scholar of Tafsir, who we mentioned before uh, a number of times. But for those of you that are new students, and just to remind the rest of us, because sometimes uh, we, we forget some of these people. Uh, but if you find in the classical works of Tafsir, a scholar or, or an imam of Tafsir by the name of Ibn Zayd and his statements, then it's referring to this scholar. Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam. Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam. Rahimahullah ta'ala was from the Atba'u Tabi'in, from the third generation of Muslims, not the companions, not the students, but the students of their students. And uh, he's often referred to as Ibn Zayd. So if you find, for example, in Al-Tabari or the Tafsir of Abdul Razak, because Ibn Zayd was from the teachers of Abdul Razak, or from those early books of Tafsir, if you find Ibn Zayd said, this is who they're referring to. And his father, Zayd ibn Aslam, who was from the Tabi'een, Zayd ibn Aslam, 
was also from the scholars of uh, of tafsir uh, in his own right, as Ibn Taymiyyah and others mentioned that from the major scholars of tafsir in Medina, from amongst that generation of the Tabi'een, so in Mecca you had the likes of, as we know, Mujahid and Ikrimah and Ata and those students of Ibn Abbas and then in, in places like Kufa uh, or in, in, in Iraq generally you had the likes of Alqama and Masruq and others who were from the students of, of Ibn Mas'ud. In Medina from the students of the likes of Abu Huraira and Ibn Umar and others, you had people like Zayd ibn Aslam and Zayd ibn Aslam was uh, from the Imams of Tafsir of his generation. And he then taught those who came after him from the scholars of Tafsir, including his son Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam. And Aslam, the grandfather of this Abdurrahman, so Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam, and he's often referred to as Ibn Zayd, uh, but his grandfather who is Aslam, Aslam was the freed slave of Umar radiallahu So Umar ibn Khattab had a free slave by the name of Aslam and you often find him in the stories of Umar, in, in, especially in particular when during his Khilafah, when he was the Khalifa and, and a number of the things that take place, you find mention of Aslam because he was often the one who was with him and serving him and helping him and so on. Either way, this is his grandson. So he was a famous scholar, his father is a famous scholar of Tafsir, but he's also a famous scholar of Tafsir and he's the one that is often mentioned more so in the books of Tafsir than his father in terms of his narrations. So Ibn Zayd, uh, Abdurrahman Ibn Zayd ibn Aslam, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, Ibn Zayd says that look at how Allah Azza wa Jal makes this distinction between these two groups of people. We have the people of Jannah, who in the dunya, they had many, many times of fear, or they experienced much of fear, and of sadness, and of crying, and of difficulty because of what they underwent in the dunya, of the challenges, and the trials, and the difficulties, and so on, in terms of their religion, in terms of keeping up their faith and so on. Then Allah Azza wa Jal replaces that sadness, that fear, that crying, that difficulty. Allah Azza wa Jal replaces it for them in the Akhirah with happiness and with joy and with blessing. And then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala here, and, and, uh, and He mentions also the, um, the, 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 the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal in the other surah, Inna kunna qablu fi ahlina mushfiqeen that they said that we used to be the people of Jannah when they enter into Jannah, they will say that we used to be amongst the dunya when we were with our family, we used to be fearful of this day. But Allah Azza wa Jal favored us and He saved us from the most terrifying of punishments. And then Allah Azza wa Jal here mentions the people of the fire, how they in the dunya used to have the opposite. In the dunya, they lived the life of happiness and joy and comfort and entertainment and so on and so forth. And here Allah Azza wa Jal says that that will now be replaced for them as, as Allah Azza wa Jal has already mentioned that they will, that will be replaced for them in terms of the punishment of the Akhirah and the destruction or the torment that they will face and or they, they will find. And he says and that is why Allah Azza wa Jal says إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا So the people of Jannah they will now go and this is now their true moment of joy. They also experienced joy in the dunya, but that joy was the joy of the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, the joy of coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal, the joy of learning about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That was the joy that they felt, but it was a joy which was seen in their heart, or is something which they experienced in their heart, not necessarily the physical joy that you get in terms of uh, of some of the other benefits that you receive. Even though they were people who were content with that which Allah Azza wa Jal gave to them in the dunya, and Allah Azza wa Jal decreed for them in the dunya. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah now, 
they will know that they will have nothing except the joy and happiness and blessings that Allah has given to the people of Jannah. Whereas these people of the left hand side or the people who received their record behind their backs, they were the people who in the dunya just enjoyed themselves. They lived a life of happiness and entertainment and following their desires and so on and so forth. Now, Allah says that you had that moment. You had that enjoyment when you were when you were in the dunya. And so Allah makes this contrast. And this is something which this surah shows. And we've mentioned uh, numerous times before because Allah has spoken or mentioned this in the Quran a number of times already in the surahs that we've covered. And it is something which is a common theme throughout the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and within the sunnah of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is that the people of Iman, for them, the dunya is not meant to be a time of ease and happiness. It's not meant to be a place of joy. It's not meant to be something where, where and, and this is something which you see today amongst, unfortunately, many of our youngsters, many Muslims who think that the dunya is a place for them to enjoy and to relax. And if they don't find that sense of enjoyment or relaxation, they find that it's difficult that they have to work, then they, they, become, uh, they become upset and they become disenchanted or disenfranchised by this notion that they have to work in the dunya. And I don't mean work because they have to work obviously in terms of the education, in terms of their career, their jobs, finding an income, getting married and so on. But I'm speaking about working in terms of the akhirah, in terms of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the problems because the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wasallam that it is not poverty that I fear for you. When he spoke to those companions who came to him, as is mentioned in a number of the different collections of hadith, a group of companions came and they said, O Messenger of Allah, give to us, give to us, give to us. And the Prophet ﷺ had just received wealth that had come to him, I think in some narrations it says from Bahrain. And so the Prophet ﷺ had some wealth that had come to him, and so the people wanted to come, wanted him to distribute it amongst them. And we know that the companions were very poor, and so they needed that wealth, they needed that money. And so now that they knew that some of that wealth had come, to the Prophet ﷺ, they know the Prophet is not going to keep it and hoard it for himself. He's going to give it. So they came and they said, O Messenger of Allah, give us from that wealth, help us. So the Prophet said ﷺ, that I will not withhold this from you. That which I have, I will give to you. And it's not poverty that I fear for you, but it is the dunya that it will be opened up for you. So you will compete for it, just as those who came before you competed for it. And in some narrations, that it will then destroy you as it destroyed those who came before you. And so this is what the dunya does. When you have a great deal of it and Allah opens up for you certain doors of ease and, and, and certain doors of comfort, then what people do is that they become very relaxed in everything uh, when it comes to not only their dunya, but also in terms of their deen and their worship and their and their um, worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the seeking knowledge and so on. And so people then can't take any difficulty. They can't take any hardship. They can't take any type of trial or tribulation that may come their way. But that is the nature of the dunya. The dunya is meant to be darul ibtila, darum tihan. The dunya is meant to be a place of testing and tribulation and trial of difficulty and hardship. That is the nature of the dunya. That is the way that Allah Azza wa Jal created the dunya. That is the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the dunya. And so Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't hide that fact from us. It's not something which is hidden in our religion. In fact, the, the text of the Quran and the Sunnah show very clearly that that is the purpose of the dunya. But your rest, your place of relaxation, that's the akhirah, that's in Jannah. Inshallah ta'ala, when me and you step into Jannah by Allah's permission, by His mercy. That is when you have your rest, that is when you have your happiness. 
And that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the dunya as we've said before. Doesn't mean that you can't have happiness in the dunya. Allah Azza wa Jalla blesses people and He allows them to find happiness in both. But that's because those people who find happiness in both, they do so because they're worshipping Allah Azza wa Jalla. So even if they have very little, they will still be pleased in the dunya and happy in the dunya because they found that way to happiness in terms of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so once they found that contentment of the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal in their hearts and they had that tranquility, then everything else fell into place. And that is why if you look at the biographies and the lives of the companions who for the most part, for many of them, especially during the lifetime of the Prophet وسلم, because you know after that, especially in the time of Umar and Uthman and so on, they become wealthy, the conquests open up the, the different places for them. The conquests come and open up the different places for them. Okay, I apologize for that. Um, can someone confirm, please, if if they can hear me now? If it's come back, the internet's back. Someone can just message me and please confirm that you can hear me again now. Okay, sorry, I apologize for that. I think the, we have very stormy weather at the moment in UK, so I don't know if my if my internet's playing up because of the weather. Um, but it just completely cut off for some reason. But anyway, inshallah, if it happens again, I, I apologize in advance. I'll just keep trying to reconnect. So um, we were speaking about about this issue of how Allah Azza wa has made the dunya a place of, of, of trial and tribulation and how therefore the believer is someone who understands that. And if they go through hardship and difficulty, the companions, as we said, especially during the lifetime of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
because afterwards in the time of especially Umar and Uthman and so on, when the Muslim empire expanded and the conquest came in, many of them became wealthier because of the blessings that Allah Azza bestowed upon them. And that shows to you that there's nothing wrong with having those blessings, enjoying those blessings, being given those blessings by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But those companions were already content well before those blessings came. Look at how the companions عنهم, were happy during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. And I often read the seerah of those companions during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. And I focus on this aspect of what was their mindset? What do they look like? How do they feel? What are they experiencing? What are the emotions that we can see being narrated to us during those narrations or through those narrations? And it's amazing that you will rarely see a moment of them being upset or being frustrated or feeling like they're not being appreciated or that it's too difficult or it's too much hard work or whatever it may be, those things that people now often complain of, you don't see that amongst the companions despite the vast majority of them being poor, despite the vast majority of them having very difficult circumstances that they were living in, not not obviously including our Prophet So it's not just something exclusive to some of the poor amongst the companions, it was the norm amongst them, other than the few well-known exceptions that the companions went through extreme difficulty in terms of their livelihoods, in terms of their dunya and in terms of their living. But Allah Azza wa honored them and blessed them because once they had that strong iman and that firm yaqeen, certainty and conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then nothing else made a difference to them. They knew that what they want is that happiness of the akhirah. So they were willing to sacrifice some of it in the dunya because you can only attain the happiness of the akhirah that is the full extent of the happiness if you sacrifice some of your happiness in the dunya by by sacrificing some of your desires by not following the temptations of shaitan by not going through and becoming besotted by the dunya these are sacrifices that you have to make so you lose some of the happiness to gain the ultimate happiness of the akhirah but if you're not willing to that's when there's a problem because you're not content then in terms of your iman, you're not content in terms of your akhirah, you're not content in terms of your belief in Allah Azza wa Jal and working and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and working for the akhirah. And that is when shaitan finds a, a hole or a breach in our defenses that he can enter through. And that's when shaitan comes and he says to you that look at how difficult it is, nothing's happening, nothing's working, nothing's going well for you. And so this is what happens to us, we become, we become easily despondent, we, we despair. From the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's easy for shaitan to overcome us and to weaken our faith and to distance us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa is saying to us, look at the difference between these two groups of people. One of them in the dunya, Allah Azza wa doesn't speak about how they were. We don't know what their situation was in the dunya. Allah doesn't say about them and no doubt some of them were happy in the dunya. But Allah doesn't describe the people of the right hand side those who receive their record of deeds in the right hand, Allah doesn't describe them in that way because not all of them would have been like that. And it's neither important whether they were happy in the dunya or not, so long as they worshipped Allah Azza wa Jal. What was happy, what was, was important is that now on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in the Akhirah, now they will have happiness. And as we've said before, that doesn't mean that they don't have any happiness because the believers are the most content of people. They're the happiest of people. But maybe perhaps not in the way that people consider happiness to be in terms of the way that they spend and in terms of the way that they live and so on. That's not necessarily the meaning of the happiness that's being referred to here. But they're content. If that's what we mean by happiness, they're happy in terms of internal happiness and contentment and so on. That's what they have. And so Allah Azza wa doesn't describe their situation in the dunya because it wasn't important. What he describes is their situation in the akhirah because that's what truly matters. 
But when it comes to these people now, those who receive their record in their left hand behind their backs, Allah refers to how they were in the dunya, because that will be the last mention of any relief or happiness that these people will ever have ever again. They were happy in the dunya. That's the extent of their happiness. On Yomul Qiyamah, they have nothing left. No measure of happiness, no measure of relief, no measure of comfort on Yomul Qiyamah. All that they had, they had in the dunya and they experienced in the dunya. And that's why you will find in the statements of the scholars of Tafsir, such as Qatad and Abdahak and others, that they said that Allah is referring to the way that they lived in the dunya. And look at how Allah again mentions the word Ahl. That person will go to their family and rejoice in Jannah. This person used to be happy amongst his people, amongst his family in the dunya. They experienced that, both of them experienced that in two different ways. And so Allah mentions that aspect as well. And so these people enjoyed themselves. They had their dunya, they lived their lives of the life of desires, they lived, lived their life of following their temptations and so on. And that's what they wanted, that's what they sought. That's what they prioritize, is what they consider to be extremely important to them. And so that's what they did, and they received as a result of that, that which they sought. But then Allah Azza will deal with them in its own way on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that's why Imam Al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa speaks about these people in the dunya and how they were happy. لِمَا فِيهِ مِنْ خِلَافِهِ Because this person found happiness in what? In disobeying Allah Azza wa and in going against the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where they found their happiness. Their happiness was in haram. Their happiness was in disobedience. Their happiness was in kufun and shirk. This is where they found their happiness. Whereas the believers, where do they find their happiness? In following the commands of Allah azza wa jal, in following the laws of the sharia, in the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in iman, and in the Quran, and in loving the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and in doing acts of good. This is where they find their happiness in the dunya. And so Allah Azza wa will give them its reward in the Akhirah. Whereas these people, as Imam Al-Tabari said, their happiness was in disobedience, in kufr, in shirk, in disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Imam Al-Baghawi, or Al-Baghawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that they found their happiness in the dunya by following their desires and by following their temptations. This is what they did, and as a result they did, uh, or they got what they sought. And Jamaluddin al-Qasimi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said something similar. He said, uh, he said, اي منعما مستريحا من التفكر في الحق والدعاء إليه والصبر عليه لا يهمه إلا أجوفاه. He said this person was happy in the dunya, enjoying the blessings, chilling, relaxing, not thinking or paying any attention or care to whether it were, they were upon the truth or not not caring about making dua to it or calling to it or being patient upon the truth, didn't care about anything except his own desires. Illa ajwafa, except that which he ate and that how they fulfilled their desires and so on. Bataran bin ni'am. And so they rejected the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jalla and his signs. Nasiyan li mawlah. And they forgot the one who bestowed those signs upon them or those blessings upon them. And so this person in the dunya, this is all they do. As Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions elsewhere in the Quran, inhum illa kal an'am. They are like the cattle, the grazing livestock, but rather they are even more astray. And so Allah Azza wa describes these people how they will be on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. They had their happiness in the dunya, 
on Yawm Al-Qiyamah now that they see the reality, what will they do? فَسَوْفَ يَدْعُوا ثُبُورًا This person will only call upon themselves for destruction, only come upon them, call upon themselves for hardship and for, for calamity and destruction and death because they will know now that those 40, 50, 70, 90 years that they experienced in the dunya of happiness, of joy and so on, wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth the difficulty that they will now experience for the rest of eternity. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse number 14, He tells us the reason for this. Why were they given their record in their left hand or behind their backs? Why are they calling upon themselves for destruction? Why did they prioritize happiness of the dunya over happiness of the akhirah? Why did they spend their time following their desires and shirk and kufr in the dunya, disobedience of Allah Azza wa Jalla, as opposed to following tawheed and having iman and turning to Allah Azza wa Jalla and following the commands of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala? Allah Azza wa Jalla says in verse number 14, Innahu dhanna alayyahur. Sahih International's translation, indeed, he had thought he would never return. Mufti Taqi, he thought he would never revert. And Professor Abdul Harim, he thought he would never return. And Muhsin Khan, verily, he thought that he would never come back to us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reason, one of the primary reasons. And this is something which you find, uh, as we've mentioned before, repeated throughout the Quran. What is one of the major reasons why people reject Allah Azza wa Jal, turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It is because of their lack of belief in the resurrection, in the day of judgment. They don't think that they will be resurrected. They don't think that they will go back to Allah Azza wa Innahu This person doesn't think that they will have Yahur. What does Yahur mean? Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said, Yubath, that they will be resurrected. And he also said in another uh, narration from him that the word Yahur means to return in the Abyssinian language, Bilugat al Habasha. And so it's as if Allah Azza wa is saying, This person never thought that they would return back to Allah Azza wa in the next life. And Mujahid said something similar and others as well. And others who said that he means resurrection, uh, which was the other narration from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, Qatada rahimullah ta'ala said something similar. And Ibn Zayd, who we mentioned at the beginning of this lesson, Abdurrahman Ibn Zayd ibn Aslam rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that he means yanqalib that he will never return. All of them very similar in Arabic language in terms of, uh, in terms of meaning. And Ikrimah, uh, Ikrimah said that it means in the Abyssinian language, if you say hur ila ahlik, idhab. If you say to someone hur, go to your family, hur to your family or hur, it means go. It means go. So this person never thought that they would return or that they would go back to Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is what Imam al-Bukhari also in his Sahih in the tafsir of this verse said لا يرجعلين and as we said before he often uh, chooses the tafsir of Mujahid and Ibn Abbas and so Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that this person never thought that they would return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is the person who in the dunya never believed in the akhirah and this is why you find often within the sunnah that the Prophet وسلم, stresses these two particular things, these two tenets of faith. Whosoever believes in Allah and the last day. Because there are people who are willing to believe in Allah Azza wa Jal and they won't be willing to believe in the Akhirah. Even the Quraysh and the Arabs in general had to a certain level belief in Allah Azza wa Jal in the sense that they believed 
that Allah existed, that he was the creator, that he was the sustainer, the provider and so on, that he was the one who controlled the heavens, the, the universe and so on. They believed in these aspects of what we call rububiyyah, the lordship of Allah Azzawajal, those aspects of lordship of Allah, which is his creation, his dominion, his kingdom. They, they believed in these aspects that they belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they wouldn't believe in the akhirah. You wouldn't believe in the akhirah. That's why you often find within the Quran that Allah Azzawajal says that the people used to say to their prophets, Is it possible that once we die and we become dust and bones, that, they, that, 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 that we will be resurrected once again? That's a common thing that you find throughout the stories of the prophets of Allah. Because even those who believed in Allah, or that Allah existed, or that uh, despite their shirk with, with the other idols that they worship and the other gods that they worship besides Allah, but they believed in Allah Azza wa as the Quraysh did, perhaps even that Allah is the supreme God over all of these other deities that also exist. As the Quraysh did, Allah Azza wa is the big God, He's the major God, He's the supreme God, but there are many other gods besides Him in the form of these idols, Allah, and Uzza, and Hubal, and Manat, and all of these other gods and, and idols that they worship besides Allah Azza wa So they may even believe to some extent in that. They may believe, for example, in the angels. As we said, that the Arabs used to have this belief that the angels were Banatullah. They were the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They may even believe, some of them, in aspects of, 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 of certain other aspects of uh, Iman. But what they wouldn't believe in, many of them, is that they would reject Yawmul Qiyamah. And that shows to you not only how important it is in terms of its, its, uh, its importance in Iman, in, in, the, in, the, in the pillars of Iman and the tenets of faith, but also how important it is in the mindset of the believer to focus much of their study, much of their, uh, much of their concentration on these issues of the Akhirah. And that is why if you look throughout our Sharia, you look at how much emphasis is placed on, on, on listening to the book of Allah Azzawajal and focusing on those surahs that often speak about the Akhirah. Like for example, if you were to look at the surahs that are recited, that the Prophet used to recite often on the morning of Friday in the Fajr prayer, in particular Surah Al-Insan, or the surahs that he would often recite in Salatul Jumu'ah, like Surah Qaf, like in the Khutbah, or the surahs that he would read aloud in the Salatul Jumu'ah and Eid and Istisqa and these prayers, like Surah Al-A'la and Ghashiyah. These surahs, what is the common theme that they have between them? As some of the scholars mentioned, there are certain companions, as you know in the hadith, they said that we only memorize Surah Qaf because of how frequently the Prophet Wasallam used to recite the surah in his Friday khutbah. Not in his salah, in his sermon. His sermon was the recitation of Surah Qaf. Why Surah Qaf? They said because it all speaks about the Akhirah speaks about Yawm Al-Qiyamah, speaks about resurrection, speaks about accounting, speaks about judgment and standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the Prophet used to often focus on these types of surahs with these themes in the common, in the surahs that he would often recite aloud in the, not only the congregational prayers, because obviously he used to read many other surahs in, normal, in the normal salawat, but what we call in the, uh, in, in the, in the, uh, the prayers where, where mass people gather, because the Jumu'ah prayer, it's not just a congregational prayer. It is the celebratory prayer of the week, the celebration of the week. The Eid prayer is a celebration within the year. Right? These are certain salawat that will take place only once a week or a couple of times a year, only on the odd occasion. And these are the surahs that the Prophet ﷺ used to focus on in those salawat. Why? Because the Sharia wants you to focus on these surahs also. 
wants you to constantly be reminded. That doesn't mean to neglect the other surahs of the Quran, obviously, but it means that you should constantly be reminded of the akhirah, of accounting, of standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the scale and the mizan and how Allah azza wa jal will weigh your deeds, as is in these surahs mentioned, the way that the people will be given their record of deeds, either in their right hand or in their left hand, what that means, how that works, the punishments of the fire, the blessings of Jannah and its rewards, all of these issues that come part and parcel of uh, along with Iman in the Akhirah. And then you have other aspects of the Sharia that focus on similar things. For example, the Sharia tells us, go and think about death. Think and often remind yourselves of the destroyer of all pleasures, meaning death. Think of this. And the Prophet said, as is in the Hadith, we used to, I used to prohibit you from going and visiting the graveyards. Now go and visit the graveyards. Allah Now go and visit the graveyards. Look at how much reward the Sharia gives just in offering the janazah prayer, and for men to go and follow the funeral procession until it is uh, until the funeral or the, or the body is buried. The Prophet said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whoever attends the janazah prayer will have a qirat in reward, and whoever continues." until the, 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 with the funeral procession, until it is buried, then they will have two qirats. They said, what are the qirats, or Messenger of Allah? And the word qirat in the Arabic language means a great amount. But in some narrations, some weddings, he said two great mountains. A qirat is a mountain, two great mountains for the two qirat. And in other narrations, he said, each qirat is like the mountain of Uhud. The mountain of Uhud, which is a big uh, mountain, as you, as you know, that covers a whole side of the city of Medina. That's only for going and, and performing Salatul Janazah. And he said that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, when he heard this hadith being narrated from Abu Huraira radiallahu anh, he said, oh, Abu Huraira, did you hear this from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Because Ibn Umar hadn't come across this narration before. He missed this statement. So he said, Abu Huraira replied, yes, this is what I heard from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Ibn Umar said, how many qirats have we allowed to escape us? Meaning how many qirats of reward how many of these mountains of reward have we just missed because we don't, we didn't, I didn't go to follow the funeral procession or I didn't necessarily go and pray every janazah prayer that I had. And it's obviously not a wajib, it's not an obligation. But the point is that the sharia greatly encourages this. Why? Because all of these aspects remind you of death. They bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they remind you of this issue. If someone knows for certain that they're going to stand before Allah, be held to account, then that is something which internally within their hearts would give them a sense of shame, a sense of embarrassment, a sense of stopping, a sense of questioning, a sense of what the Prophet ﷺ called the wa'id fi nafsi, fi qalbi al-mu'min, that internal monologue that you have or that internal caller, that warner within you, that in your heart tells you every time you're about to sin, that's a sin. Every, about, every time you're about to do something wrong, that's haram. That's something which is displeasing to Allah Azza wa Jal. And so every single time you're about to sin, Allah Azza wa has given you something in your heart with, because of your iman, something that sets off alarm bells ringing. Don't do that. Stay away. That's a problem. That's something which is displeasing to Allah Azza wa That's because you remember the Akhirah. You know of the Akhirah. You understand that Allah Azza wa will hold you to account on that day. And the stronger a person is in terms of the iman, the closer they are to Allah Azza wa Jal, the more they engage in ibadah and dhikr and reading Quran and seeking knowledge, the more conscious they are of the Akhirah, the stronger that voice is and the stronger those alarm bells that ring. And that's why those people, inshallah, by Allah's permission, by His will and His mercy, 
they are less likely to sin or their sins are few and far between as opposed to those people who are distant from Allah who when the alarm bell rings it is so distant and so muted, so, so quiet because of how distant they have become from Allah that it's easy for them to ignore. There's a difference, right? If you are in a building and there's a fire alarm going and it's right in front of you and on top of your head and it's ringing with all of that, that, that sound and all of that uh, a full volume and you're right underneath it, that's different from the person that's like three uh, or a mile away or, or three blocks away or whatever it may be and they can hear a distant ringing. They can hear like a distant like sound and they kind of register, yeah, that's an alarm going off somewhere. But they don't really, it doesn't really bother them. It's, not, it's very easy for them to tune out, very easy for them to ignore. This is how the Prophet ﷺ described the heart of the believer that Allah has given to those people of Iman within themselves that uh, caller, that warner, that tells them to continue and go back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why does that happen? One of the most powerful reasons or one of the best ways of, of strengthening that is by remembering, remembering the Akhirah by remembering that you will return to Allah Azza wa Jal. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this here. He doesn't focus here on the issue of uh, their shirk and their idolatry and so on, even though they did all of those things. But one of the major reasons was that they didn't focus on the Akhirah. If they knew that they would turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, and they were sure and they had certainty of it, they would be extremely careful in terms of the words that they uttered, the actions that they performed, the decisions that they made. And that is why the believer always has to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They always have to remember their death, Yawm al-Qiyamah, the fire, paradise, all of these things that Allah azza wa mentions to us that will take place on that day. It is something which is extremely important. And that is why the scholars of old, they used to write books on this topic and they used to read the books in which they would gather the ahwala, the akhirah, the, 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 the narrations, that speak about the, the last day and the next life and so on. Even in the major books of Hadith, you have these books that speak about Ashratu Sa'a, the signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and then the books that speak about the Day of Judgment and the books of Hellfire and Paradise within those major collections of Hadith, meaning gathering all of those narrations together. And Al-Qurtubi and others have books just on this topic where they gathered narrations and the statements of the scholars and so on. And the Salaf used to, used to write books on these topics and topics that are similar to it that will help you such as topics of al-zuhd and al-wara' abstaining from the dunya being mindful and conscious of Allah azza wa jalla and taqwa and yaqeen all of these things that strengthen a person's uh, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the connection to Allah azza wa jalla so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about these people that one of the major reasons if not the major reason or one of the major reasons anyway that they enjoy their dunya at expense of their akhirah is because they never believed in the akhirah anyway they didn't believe that there would be an accounting. So why would you prepare for something you don't believe in? Why would you work towards something that you don't think exists? And this is what happens when people don't really pay any mind to it or they pay mind to it, but it's very, very weak. They, they think of it very, very sparingly. Uh, and and, and they, don't really, they don't really focus their attention on it. And that's one of the, the traps of the dunya and one of the traps of shaitan. How many people come back to the religion and come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they were in a car accident or they had a near-death experience or because they had a, a severe illness or disease that Allah Azza wa then cured. They saw how limited and finite their life was or they were in some calamity, some big issue and therefore they were then able to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they turned back to Allah Azza wa 
That's what that's what that's what takes place when people remember the akhirah. But when people are distant from the akhirah, they don't pay any mind to it. They don't pay any attention towards that which they should be also focusing on. And that's why the 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 uh, the, the sunnah tells us to focus so much on the akhirah. Tells us to think about the akhirah. Tells us to be conscious of of that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to prepare for that day and for that time and for that moment that will come. And it is mentioned, as we know, in many verses in the Qur'an, in many ahadith, in the sunnah. But as we said, um, that the word yahur means to return. And this is also from those words in the Arabic language, what we call gharib al-Qur'an, as we mentioned in that special that we did, unfamiliar words, uh, that you find in the book of Allah Azza wa Jal and familiar Arabic words, Yahur is one of them, and it comes from the word Hara Yahuru. And some of them said, or oh, as Ma'mar uh, ibn Muthanna Abu Ubaidah said, uh, it means Allah Yarja. And others said, such as Abu Ubaid Al Qasib ibn Salam, it means to change. Right? You don't believe in the change. The word Yahur comes from the word change. Um, Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said in the tafsir of this verse that Allah Azza wa speaks about the people who receive their record of deeds behind their back on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. This person throughout their life in the dunya, their existence, they never thought for once that they would return back to Allah Azza wa And that they would never be resurrected after death. So therefore they, therefore they paid no mind, no attention to the many sins that they accumulated. Because they never thought about aspects such as reward or punishment. Because if you don't believe in akhirah, you don't believe in a resurrection, you don't believe in a judgment, then why would you care about reward and punishment in terms of the akhirah sense? You may uh, think about it in terms of the dunya sense, don't do anything illegal, you'll be imprisoned, you'll be fined and so on. That's a different aspect, but as we know, many things are legal in many countries in the dunya, but they are haram in Islam. Many things are, are legal in the dunya that are haram in Islam. So this person was focusing on that aspect. They may, be, may have been focusing on aspects of the dunya, but they don't focus on aspects of the akhirah. And so therefore Allah Azza wa says, إِنَّهُ ظَنَّ أَلِّي يَحُورُ As an Imam al-Tabri then continues, he says that it comes from the word حَارَ فُلَانٌ عَنْ هَذَا الْأَمْرُ إِذَا رَجَعًا The word حَارَ يَحُورُ means to turn away from something. And from it is the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam of the dua that he used to make uh, that, that, he would, that he would say in his dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hawri ba'd al-kawr. Oh Allah, I seek your protection or I seek refuge in you from al-hawr ba'd al-kawr. That I should change or turn back after I had, after I had taken iman. That I should turn back, that I should turn away. And the Prophet used the word hawr, which is the same word as yahur, comes from the same origin, ba'd al-kawr. And al-kawr means uh, something that's been changed, right? something that's been changed once, meaning that you took iman, you believed in Allah Azza wa Jal, you don't want to turn back from that iman now. And so the Prophet used to seek refuge in this. But Imam Tabari mentions this because of the wording of the word al-hawr that is mentioned in this particular dua as well. And that is what Allah Azza wa is referring to here. This person never thought that they would turn, return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a result of that lack of belief in the akhirah, they did as they pleased. And they 
did everything that was haram and they and they followed their desires and their temptations and because of that lack of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and realizing that they would turn back to Allah Azza wa Jalla, return back to Allah Azza wa Jalla on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they did as they pleased and they didn't fear any divine accounting or any divine punishment that would come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, the uh, the um, this is something which you find when, when even amongst Muslims when they ha- when they have a weakness in their iman, it is often due to them being negligent of issues of the akhirah. Someone who knows, for example, that they're going to pass away within a few days or weeks or months or even a few short years, as some people do when they're given the prognosis or or, or a diagnosis of a, uh, of a of a terminal illness that they only have months or years to live it focuses you it makes you prioritize things it reminds you of how fragile your life is how fragile you are and subhanallah it's amazing where people will focus their whole life or some people have much of the dunya they have for example wealth and they have palaces and they have power and they have fame and maybe their royalty and so on but the one thing that they can't buy like no money can buy is things like good health that person may have everything in the dunya, but if they have a terminal illness or a condition for which there is no known cure, there's no known treatment for it, that person, doesn't matter how much dunya they have, doesn't matter how much of the wealth of the dunya they have, they're still going to go through exactly the same thing that other people are going through. So the believer always is focused on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the Akhirah and what they will do in terms of the standing before Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, how they will respond, how they will answer. And so the word Yahur means to return. And so it means to return, and it can also mean to change, to change. And that's why also in that hadith, Allah I seek refuge and your protection from changing. The word hawr can also mean to change. So it can mean to change, it can mean to return. And uh, Imam Al-Qurtubi says, and it's possible that both of these meanings are mentioned here, that, all, that these people never thought that they would, turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, or they never thought that their situation would change. Nothing would change in terms of them. And that's why we have in the Quran those um, those those verses in which Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about some of the disbelievers of how they would say that even if we were to turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, then surely we would find something just as good if not better with Allah and Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Meaning even if there is for the sake of argument a judgment, a resurrection, then surely Allah will give to us even more. Because in the dunya we've been given so much already, so Allah must like us, Allah must be pleased with us, Allah must love us, so in the akhirah we'll get even more. And we have an example of that in Surah Al-Kahf, in the story of the man with the two gardens. When his friend, or the one who was a disbelieving friend, he says to the believing friend, and even if I was to go back to my Lord, I would find with him upon my return, something even better than that which I have in the dunya. Why? Because he thought, I have the wealth, I have people, I have everything that I could possibly want. Surely that's a sign of Allah's pleasure. Surely that's a sign of Allah's happiness, that Allah is pleased with me and happy with me. And as we mentioned before, that isn't necessarily the case. And so uh, this is something which they had. They even thought this, that if you go back to the akhirah, then we will have even better than that which we have in the dunya. Whereas the believer knows that this dunya is insignificant to Allah Azza wa Jal. Doesn't make a difference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has it, who doesn't have doesn't have it. And that's what Allah Azza wa Jal gives in the dunya to everyone. Believer and non-believer. 
good and bad, pious and impious. Everyone gets a share of the dunya because to Allah Azzawajal it is worthless anyway. But the akhirah, the only people that get a share of the akhirah are the believers, the people of Iman. Those are the people that Allah Azzawajal truly loves. And that's why Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that this is the uh, reason why Allah Azzawajal then mentions this. He says that the reason for Allah Azzawajal, it's as if Allah Azzawajal is saying that the reason for them receiving their record in, in their left hands or behind their back is because of their lack of belief in the Akhirah, because of their lack of belief that they would return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll take one last verse because it is connected to the previous ones. Allah Azzawajal then says in verse number 15, بَلَا إِنَّ رَبَّهُ كَانَ بِهِ بَصِيرًا Indeed, he will. His Lord was watching him. Bala meaning that person thought that he would never return to Allah as Allah mentioned subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 14. Allah Azza wa Jal in 15 then says Bala, but he will return to Allah Azza wa Jal. For indeed Allah was ever watchful over him. And that's why Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala he says Bala layahuranna wa layarji'anna ila rabbihi hayya kama kana qabla mamatih. Of a surety he will turn back to Allah and return back to him living, alive, meaning Allah Azza wa Jal will resurrect him on that day inna rabbahu kana bihi basira because your Lord was ever watchful over him in the dunya knew what he did of his sins knew what he did in terms of disobedience of Allah Azza wa Jal and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has full knowledge of his journey towards the akhirah and has knowledge of everything that he therefore did and Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar that Allah says bara, meaning it's not as he thinks or as he perceives, but rather he will surely return to us. For indeed your Lord was ever watchful basira before he created him. He knew that he would surely return one day to him. And so Allah Azza wa Jal then mentions this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal knew from the beginning of creation that he will return to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And others said that Allah Azza wa always knew whether he would be from the happy or from the wretched, meaning whether he would be from the people of salvation or from the people that would be damned into the fire. And Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala said that in this verse, verse number 15, there is, and, and, the, and the ones before it, there is, uh, there is a indication as to the wisdom of resurrection and recompense and that is that Allah Azza wa knows the affairs of everyone is fully aware of those who are righteous and those who are evil and that Allah Azza wa knows all of the details therein so it is not from the hikmah from the wisdom of Allah Azza wa that he allows those who do evil and corruption those who commit corruption and evil that he allows for them to escape from any type of judgment or any type of punishment and that they can do what they want in terms of harm and that Allah Azza wa does not help and reward those who try to do good and those who try to, to live a life of piety. But Allah Azza wa therefore has placed the Akhirah, and this is an indication therefore, that Allah Azza wa has placed the Akhirah as the place where people will receive their ultimate judgment and recompense. That is what Allah Azza wa will decide, who the people of Jannah are, who the people of the fire are, those who are worthy of reward and those who are deserving of punishment. And so this therefore brings us to the end of this particular passage of this surah, or this particular section of this surah, in which Allah Azza wa Jalla describes these people who will receive their record in the back of their, or behind their backs and in their left hand.
and that is that Allah was ever watching over them, that they will surely turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then inshallah ta'ala in the next lesson next week inshallah ta'ala, verse number 16 onwards we will go on to a number of other oaths that Allah will speak about or take, uh, will take inshallah ta'ala as we come now to the latter half of this surah or the latter part of this surah. So if there's any questions inshallah ta'ala we'll take some otherwise we'll conclude for today. Uh, again, I apologize for the slight interruption that we had uh, with our internet connection, and uh, I apologize for that, but inshallah ta'ala, uh, I hope it wasn't too disruptive. I think it was only for like a minute or so. Okay, Jazakumullah khayran, barakallahu feekum, wa sallallahu ala nabira Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.